It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, this is Sam Olvey of Ask an Atheist, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an Coming at you with pumpkin spice, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and what do you get when you drop a pumpkin? You get squash. <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team that only has pies for you. She'll use her mad assassin skills to carve out some fun. Nancy! There you go. There we go. She curls pumpkins at the gym, now she's jacked. Whole lantern. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Christina. Yeah. Oh yeah. All those muscles. And with pumpkins, it's go big or gourd home for her. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin. Ladies, welcome back. <laughs> Do we feel welcome after that opening? Do we really feel? Yeah, welcome? I think we all feel like we need a nap. I think One we, of those days, we always like a, need a nap. Yeah. It was just like a pumpkin theme introduction thing. It was Ooh, wonderful. Anybody else like pumpkin pie? Just yes, because, I love. Who doesn't like pumpkin, pumpkin pie? pie? Do I need to put like pumpkin spice latte in your coffee <gasps> now? Oh my god, that would be amazing. Oh my gosh, could you? No god. <laughs> Oh, that you would be let... amazing. I quit the show. You yeah, I, I just <laughs> pumpkin spice is unironically amazing. We just yeah, want to be I, basic I, white girls. You're one of those things. You're like an everything pumpkin spice to stuff. No, no, pumpkin spice coffee. Yeah, but what else? You like pumpkin pie? Starbucks. I like the pumpkin spice donuts at Tim Hortons. I'm not gonna lie. Starbucks has a good pumpkin pie uh, latte. Mm. It's really good. Hmm. I've got a new recipe for pumpkin pie I'm going to try out with maple syrup. Oh, Ooh. my God. That's and cream. Are you going to bring this here for, for a Halloween special? Which is well, it depends how the opening goes next week. <laughs> it's our Halloween special next yeah. week. Oh. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking to Dan Ellis of Godless Revolution. That's going to be in the second half of the show. But first, let's do a bit of chit-chat. Actually, you know what? Even before that, let's do our... <gasps> we got oh mail. Someone loves us and listens. That's right. Okay, so we got this uh, email from uh, Adrian. Adrian. Hello, okay. Adrian. So Adrian Hello. goes. Hi, Adrian. Hi. I've recently discovered your podcast and love it. Yeah. And I'm working my way through the back catalog. Oh God, don't. Oh. <laughs> uh oh. Adrian, piece of advice: stick to the maybe the last two, three years at the most. <laughs> it's a good thing we got the letter now. <laughs> yes. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. Um, uh, and eagerly await the next episode. Listening to your latest episode on the uh, section covering natural remedies, you claim that if you had a month to live, I said that, uh, you'd spend every penny to extend that to two months. And really? you know, I, I did say that. 
You know, if, if you realize, uh, you know, uh, and I don't know if it's just me, but, you know, I did say that on the show that, you know, if the doctor says you only got one month left, yeah, and I said, you know, I can understand why some people would hold on to these, these vain hopes, I guess, and, and go try something yeah. really out of the ordinary because, you know, would I'd you not... i yeah, bucket list type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Would, you, would you not try to ex- uh, spend as much time as possible, or extend the time you have here? Yeah, right? but, like, I would spend the time enjoying it, not, like, drinking weird shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To like hope I'd get another month. Like, no, enjoy the month I'm here. Why would I want to drink gross stuff? <laughs> so Adrian basically says, I just wanted to provide a different perspective, if I may. I believe there is harm in doing that and and that it can lead to people remortgaging their homes and mm-hmm. becoming in debt, mm-hmm. chasing a pipe dream with no chance of success. Oh, he's absolutely right on that. And when they pass, the family in mourning is also in financial trouble at the same time. Well, first of all, I think that, you know, don't leave money in inheritance kids. Leave them debt. Give them a project they can oh work together at. <laughs> oh, please do on, on that vein, joking, just joking. It's, it's also horrible when they give you a month to live mm-hmm. and you go gambling, you get all this debt, and then it's like, oh, you actually have two years. Yeah. Have fun with all this crippling debt you now have and yeah, like quit your job, sold your house. <laughs> now you're homeless. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Life is unpredictable. That's for sure. Uh, secondly, many of these alternative cancer treatments requires trip abroad, which mm-hmm. is true, which in most cases will steal valuable time away from family and friend. That's also a very good point. Mm-hmm. And also the chance to say goodbye to get your affairs in order. Anyway, mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that I also hi from the UK. Adrian's from the UK. Hi. And keep up the good work. How's Brexit going? (laughs) That's that's nice. Actually, really decent. They just um, had like a... They did something where it's like, okay, we're going to extend it to actually get our shit together. So it's not horrible. <laughs> we'll ask Adrian. No, that's yeah. great. Thanks thanks so much for those thoughtful comments and that's a great topic. We should No, it is. Yeah. It is, you know, uh, we should we should do an episode of, yeah. you know, facing death or something like that. You know? I yeah. I'm someone who's like if I think if I get like news I'm going to die in like a month, I'd just be like, okay, I'm dying in a month. Cool cuz who knows if I die tomorrow? Like yeah, well, I mean, Just enjoy yourself, Adrian. You got to remember, here on the show, we face death pretty much every day with Nancy. Anyway, exactly, uh, she might well, snap no. on us at any minute and just Kirsten and I don't. That's a purely Kevin uh, okay. phenomenon. Well, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I face death on a regular basis every day. Nancy and, likes us. And if Nancy, for some reason, actually misses, I'm pretty sure Christina and Kirsten will finish me off anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you for your concern, Adrian. Nancy really well, doesn't miss. Clearly, I'm not skilled at that because the damn piano didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do a bit of chit-chat. Um, the, there's a company... Uh, uh, an organization called Health Providers Against Poverty, HPAP, uh, they report on political parties trying to reduce uh, the poverty in their platform because we're in an election year in mm-hmm. Canada. So uh, the election for 2019. Um, it's estimated that 3.2 to 5 million people in Canada are considered low income. Uh, so they basically kind of give a report card to all the, the different parties looking at their platform if it would reduce poverty or mm-hmm. not. Um, the NDP and the Greens received a grade of B. Which is actually very good. Yeah. Uh, The Liberals received a D plus. E plus? D. D as you know, dinosaur. I was saying, wow, that's pretty far down. And just guess who didn't even... F? (laughs) Yeah, who got the big F? The Conservatives, of course. Of course. Oh, but what did the PPC get? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't even think you were tested. I'm just really really disappointed Uh, that the guaranteed annual income never got enough traction. I just keep thinking in my... I I, I think it's a solution, too. 
that to me is is the core of oh, establishing yes. a, a society where where people are fed and housed mm-hmm. and have the basics. And I just absolutely don't go along with the fact that if you're getting a guaranteed annual income, that you're suddenly not going to want to get out and improve yourself or have a job. I, I just don't. Do that. I think the the thing that our current country needs to focus on most to increase like the quality of living is actually uh housing mm-hmm. um because there's almost no house in in the fraser valley we have like one percent housing vacancy mm-hmm. rent is being skyrocketing so if someone passes like a a rent cap and like makes affordable housing for low-income renters like that is gonna help so many people because i know for a lot of people in poverty like that's their biggest stressor is housing yeah 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 it is when when we were working on our 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 village for the homeless Mm -hmm. abby Diggs, and i I was involved with the city council and so forth the main the main problem always seems to be yeah we agree but who's going to pay for it the rich tax the rich (laughs) and where's that money going to come from because municipalities keep saying well we can't pay for it and the province says well we can't pay for it and the feds keep saying well we could help Mm -hmm. and so things get stuck in terms of but i think it's just lack of will and that's 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 an excuse but you're right the project you were part of was should have actually gone off and and oh, just yeah. kept going. And yeah. the, the only reason it didn't happen here in Abbotsford is because the municipal government are pretty conservative, yeah. and they rule by ideology. Yeah. They, they just don't like the idea of helping the homeless. It's, they they mm-hmm. still have this mentality of pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. Blah, which is blah. which is which is such an idiotic idea because you literally cannot pick yourself up yes. by bootstraps. Like when you think of it. You the, can't do that. That is an impossible feat. But we, we've said this on the show many times. The, the, the conservatives can only, they only win because they use emotion yep. and something like fear. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just reading an article this morning, you know, uh, how they how they said, the, you know, in this political campaign right here in Canada in 2019, uh, we had to debunk the liberal, uh, the sort of the liberals, the conservatives, uh, I think like 10 times already. They've lied already 10 times. I love how public. all the Americans are just laughing their asses off right now. Yeah, <laughs> 10 man. times. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Trump got 13,000. Right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, to finish this off, uh, basically, uh, in the last four years, as the, uh, the Justin Trudeau and his liberals have been leading the country, uh, they lifted approximately 900,000 Canadians out of poverty. So, um, and that still got them a D-plus on the chart, but, you know, there's still mm-hmm. room to grow, obviously. Mm-hmm. At least they're not an F. Yep. Um, speaking of election, uh, did you guys hear that uh, former President Obama... The United States tweeted endorsement of Justin Trudeau of our Prime Minister. Gross. Huh. Yeah, he says he says he hopes he gets another term. Quote: He's a hard worker, effective leader who takes uh, takes on big issues like climate change. The world needs his progressive leadership now, and I hope our neighbors to the north support him for another term. Yeah, he bought a pipeline. Don't really consider that progressive. But I think they they, they had a pretty good <laughs> Just relationship. Saying. Yeah, when they, when uh, Obama was was in, I you know they're in the same age range. They have what's what's very interesting about this is. Um, for an ex-president to endorse something like that is extremely rare. Mm-hmm. Extremely rare. I don't recall any other president yeah. doing something like that. Ever. And 
So it's going to be interesting. Mm. Is it going to give like a Justin Trudeau a bigger boost in the, in, a, in his numbers right yeah. now as we're down to the wire? I I personally hope it's a minority government so that there's actually some cooperation that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to go that way too. And I'm I, just I, hoping it's a minority liberal. I hope liberal. the NDP get a lot because I I'm I love the NDP. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was a there was a fair turnout because I already I voted mm-hmm. early, and there was a fair turnout at our actually it was up twenty eight percent apparently. Pardon? It was up twenty eight percent. Good. Yeah, awesome. on the on the early uh, yeah. early voters. I nice. tried to go myself, but I was stuck in seven arms. So. Uh, apparently, the president, uh, uh, former President Obama, also endorsed Emmanuel Macron in in the past as well. So. Uh, yeah, he's he's mm-hmm. really not doing the typical presidential thing. They usually stay really quiet. Yeah, but quiet. the typical president thing is kind of out the window. Yeah, with the, yeah. you no longer have a typical president. Exactly. Number. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of the Trump presidency, politics will never be the same. No, no. it won't. I mean, we, you know, the, 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 country, the U.S. went through over 200 years of... St- I, 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 I think stability, you, you people could depend on the institutions and how they worked and the processes. And, you know, regardless of, you know, whether you were on the Republican side or the Democratic side and, and some of the terrible things they did now and then and the scandals, but it was predictable. You know, you could depend on them to operate in, in a certain way. Now it just yeah. upside down and there's going to have to be reforms you know to um to quell yeah. you know the 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 fire no, the united states are really going to yeah they're really going to have to take a really serious good look at their government yeah. and say you know what we got to make sure something like this like yeah. never ever yeah. happens again mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it'll take a while for it to get to get back to I was laughing. normal. I was laughing because on social media they had these little emoji faces, right? Mm-hmm. And they had like the history of the presidents of the United States. And you had like 43 grandfather, grand, white grandfather emojis and then followed by clown. a black man and then a clown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's, that's really, yeah, that's really accurate right there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, uh, did you guys uh, see that uh, the... Uh, a European activist, a 16-year-old uh, Greta Thornburg, mm-hmm. who was actually in Alberta yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she actually gave a couple of speeches. And uh, surprisingly, there the was <laughs> a, a, a counter-protest. And that's not, that's not the surprising part. But it was actually quite minimal. Uh, there was a, co- a bunch of truckers apparently that got together, but you know, it's, mm. you know, there were like seven, eight thousand people there listening to her speech, which is probably one of the biggest assemblies they had at, really? the, uh, at, the, at the building, uh, the uh, parliamentary building in in Alberta, in uh, in Calgary, and uh, but they only had like maybe a hundred, if that. Good. which is out of Alberta is quite surprising because that is it's oil probably country. because yeah. it's like people realize that. Oil is not the way to go. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but Especially Alberta, Alberta, Alberta oil. Alberta's economy it, has, it is, really, really depends on that, right? It really does, which is sad because... You think you, you think they, they want to change that around and yeah. not make themselves so vulnerable to the market like that. Yeah, well, it's like with the coal industry in the States. You have to figure out how you can transition oil workers mm-hmm. to renewable resources. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. green energy and yeah. make... Okay, how what skills do you have in this job? Where is that applicable in this field? And like really work with them to help transition that. Instead of just being like, Oh, your job's not there anymore, have fun. Like yeah. I think that is a massive reason why a lot of people push against 
um, like going away from um, like oil and stuff because they don't see that transition yeah. happening. I, I find it interesting because I, I understand the point of the conservative point of view on this, saying they want to keep their jobs. I get that. Yeah, totally. I, I totally get that. You know, it's it's hard it's hard for them to to um, think about climate change on an empty stomach, right? It, it's really hard to to think that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, would you want to jump if you're working in the oil field or in a coal mine? Would you want to? It, it's a it's a good paying job, yes, but it's also killing you. Right, which jump at the occasion of a good paying job that's not killing you. But that's the thing is that it's right now I don't know how how that transition is. It's not right now I don't know if there's many people that are like, Oh, here is this other higher paying job that is better. I think it's more just like, Oh, your job's not there anymore. Well, that's because they're leaving it in the in the hands of entrepreneurs. Which of Mm -hmm. course they're just there to make a buck. They don't care what happens Mm -hmm. to you. If yeah. you actually had some kind of governmental yes, program, one hundred percent, basically said, okay, we're going to take these coal miners and we're going to train them to yep. fix windmills or something like that. Exactly. Then yeah, it, all of a sudden, but but you look at that argument and it doesn't hold up because you look at the history of the world, you look at the history of our country, going from an agrarian society, you know, to um, to to uh, um, um, the industrial revolution you know to the jet age to chips you know and and all along the way people have lost jobs and the progress you know in terms of the technology and things like that people have gravitated toward all of those and even though it may seem at this point that there aren't the the jobs that will be replaced they will be you know because history shows that that's the way things work. Yeah, it's, it's 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 very apropos when you're sitting there because it's not like, for example, a tobacco people that work in the tobacco industry. It's mm-hmm. not like they're picketing and saying, you know, keep my tobacco plant open. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's, we're moving away from this, and exactly. these people, the, these jobs are disappearing, but some other jobs are appearing somewhere else. Uh, it's painful, you know, to go through when people, yeah. you know, may not be oriented, you know, to a a, a job that requires technology when they've been working in in jobs that you know like the the mines where it's mostly physical labor it's not but the schools and the um the 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 type of technologies will meld and people will be able to progress and and have jobs Mm -hmm. yeah or professions whatever it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting to watch because there's two things really on the horizon and one of them is also here because also while uh, greta thornburg was in alberta Mm -hmm. here in bc in vancouver they were having the uh, uh, uh rebel extinction event which was basically they were marching downtown. They were doing what they call a snake walk, but they're basically marching with a whole bunch of people. There's no really path set. So uh, the the whole green movement seems to finally get off the ground, which is about it's about freaking time, if you ask me. And so so that's going to be interesting to see how that's going to affect the economy and automation as well, because I think a lot of jobs are going to disappear over the next couple of God knows how many years, as a lot of low-end workers, stuff like cashiers are being replaced with computer screens mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It would be wonderful to be 50 years in the future, between 50 and 100 years, and look, you know, as though we were looking back mm-hmm. at the turmoil, you know, and and, and just, you know, just the um, unrest, you know, of people not thinking that they're going to be able to be employed. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, okay. Well. But got to be optimistic because... 
the world is still revolving and mm-hmm. people are still here. And, exactly. Uh, we're, still, we're still here, so that's always a good sign. We just have to make sure we're still here in 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my dear Nancy, you got a top 10 for us? I have a weird top 10. Ooh, I like weird. You like weird? Well, I am weird. So. Th- well, that's true. Fits right weird. in. But this is really weird because I was thinking of two things. I was thinking of Halloween and I was thinking of Christianity because we were talking about the horror houses and and then I was thinking about Jesus and the resurrection and Halloween and so I mean one one, one's a really like horrible horrible horror story and uh, that's that's you know scaring people and uh, the the other one is uh, Halloween (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so your mind may not have gone where mine went to make this weird, but this this is where I went. Ten resurrected religious figures. Oh, oh my goodness. Competition and, for Jeebus. Yeah, competition. But it sort of combines, you know, yeah. the, the both. And I'm not going to go through all ten because a lot of them are really long stories, but they're so wonderful you know in terms of of uh, who that who the resurrected figure was and and what happened to them so we'll do a couple of these because they're they're just fun and we're weird so there and if adrian wants to write us another letter come on adrian let us let us know what you think of this one okay the first uh, resurrected figure that i think is the, probably the most familiar is dionysus yeah do we all know dionysus the mm-hmm. ancient greek god of wine and divine madness mm-hmm. that oh i love that divine madness so um th- one of the, the 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 names that is attached to him is twice born so here's how he got he got that name when Zeus made Persephone pregnant, his wife Hera fell into a jealous rage. Gods are always getting into jealous rages. She sent the Titans to tear the infant Dionysus apart. They then consumed all of the corpse except the heart, and that was saved and sewn into Zeus's thigh, where Dionysus was gestated and born anew. Is that not a great resurrection story? I want to see how... Did he use anesthetic on Zeus to sew that tar into his thigh? Well, it was Probably wine. Not. I mean, he was the god of wine, so why need it? You just have to keep <laughs> just drinking. Have to drink just keep a drinking. <laughs> yeah. So I just... That one, I just... I just love that one. Um, anyway, the next one is Orisa... Or, I'm going to screw this Osiris? up. Osiris? Osiris? Osinus? Osinus? O-S... Uh, let me put my glasses on. O-S-I-R-I-S. Osiris. Osiris. Thank you so much. Okay, there are several versions of this one, but um, there he was in Egypt, and they're all related to his early life, and they tell of his death and rebirth. Anyway, he wasn't a, a god in his own right, but it was at least partially divine. So while on the path to godhood, he would die and return to life at least once. So on one occasion, jealous rivals murdered him and cast him into the Nile. His sister, who was also his wife, Isis, hunted for the body and returned him to life with the help of a magic spell. But he soon died again. Poor guy, I well, just he couldn't get his act together. No. This time the body was ripped to pieces and scattered across the world and his sister wife gathered up the fragments joined them together gave him a decent burial and when the other guys saw the extent of her devotion they rewarded him by resurrecting him and making him the god of the dead 
That's I mean these are all I, huh. they're all so um, creative, you know they really are. Okay, Odin. Uh, do you, do you, there are a number of dogs that are named Odin. Really? Yeah, I don't know yes. why. It seems to be a popular... Well, it's a very name. powerful name. Yeah. Anyway, Odin was the chief god of Norse mythology, and he gained great wisdom by undergoing several trials. In order to achieve knowledge from beyond the realm of the dead, he decided to sacrifice himself. So he took a spear and drove it into his side. Ouch. Then he tied a noose to the world free tree and I'm not going to pronounce this it's YGG Yggdrasil yeah, Y-G-G-D-R-A-S-I-L Yggdrasil she's yeah. she's right. and he hanged himself for nine days oh yeah so after the sacrifice he returned stronger than ever and if that tale of suffering, death, and resurrection sound a little familiar, it's because Christianity had already reached Northern Europe long before that and would have coexisted alongside the Norse religion. So they sort of melded into, you know, parts of one. Then, then Odin gave up the, the, uh, the god business and became Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> hey, once resurrection starts, you know You never know, right? You never know Okay, so this is the last one And then we'll, we'll uh, I'll tell you the names of some of the other guys Actually, before you do that uh, yeah. uh, The quick funny fact about Christianity and, and Nor- the Norse um, When the Christians arrive in these lands And start to, to, to push the whole Jesus narrative Jesus is not an appealing character to a Viking He really isn't oh. So they had to reinvent Jesus so there's actual historical accounts of Salem Jesus as this great warrior mm. with a sword and like full of muscle and badass, oh which is of course the farthest thing from the truth. Yeah. Yes. But this is how they sold Jesus to the Viking. Well, that now you can see why because of the of the the Odin. Yeah. Exactly. Story. Exactly. Yeah, that that's what made this kind of interesting to me. How you know, as one culture became more familiar to the other, in order to to convert people one way or the other. They had to, they used they familiar they used familiar myths and stories. So anyway, which, which which again makes you question how anybody can believe that Christianity oh. came from a real source. No, exactly. And anyway, here we go. Let's do another. Um, we'll do another culture. Ganesha. Oh yes. Okay, because of his elephant head, he's probably one of the most recognizable gods yeah. of the Hindu pantheon. So, due to the ancient origins origins of Hinduism and the large number of traditions, there are a variety of stories about how he came to the possession of the rather unorthodox head. So, here's one of them. Ganesha was made by the goddess Pavarti and sent to guard her chamber. When Shiva attempted to enter, Ganesha did as he was told and tried to stop him, whereupon Shiva cut off his head. Pavarti was peeved, so Shiva decided to make up for his rash decapitation by returning Ganesha to life, giving him a new head in the process. He took an elephant's head. Yeah, and the myth says that um, it was probably an attempt to make him less handsome because of a jealous rivalry, so Shiva used the head of an elephant. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, it totally does, I mean... God knows, you know, yeah. you, have, you have Ganesh as a lover. God knows what they do with that trunk. Yeah. In in Finnish mythology, <laughs> there is a lemon, lemon and Kayan, who's a hero. Tammuz, a, a Sumerian, 
god, um, another Hindu god, Krishna. Krishna, um, yes. There is a god of uh, in Mesoamerica whose name was Quetzalcoatl. Yep. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The feathered Adis. serpent. Yeah. yeah. And then Adis was a Phrygian a, a god who later entered the Greek and Roman pantheon. So you guys are more familiar with Quetzalcoatl? Yeah. Any of the others? Yeah, we had dinner last night. Yeah, he's a feathered serpent type yes. guy. Yeah, and he was given the frightening appearance in place of his formerly ugly and pockmarked face. He'd be a good Halloween mask. Oh, I he? think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. But I think those stories of resurrections, you know, in myths, they're just char- I hate to use the word charming, but to me, they're charming because the fantasy in them and the they imagery are. in them is just well, so beautiful. This, this is this is one of the I think this is one of the reasons why the whole Jesus myth falls short. Uh, is is it's because it's it's not it's banal. It's not even interesting. It's a res- okay, so we, he, he's buried, and three days after, they can't find the body? This That's is, what I was thinking when I was doing this. I mean, it was like, it was so Christian white yeah, bread. There's it was like God. It, with it, all the myths that were available to use, they picked the least interesting one. What you know, does that tell you? Exactly, right? And, and it's not the first time in, in Christianity you have the same thing. Uh, Ra, our friend Ra, makes the same distinction with, with Jesus when he turns water into wine. Mm-hmm. Compared to Dionys- Dionysus, who basically... Turns the springs of the earth into wine. Yes. This is a way better miracle. It is. It's like, it's like, why would if you if you're an actual god and you send your son out there to do miracles, why would you be second rate? Why would you be a second rate miracle guy? Do you do you think, you think it, when you do the the big show? You want the big stuff. Do you think stuff. in heaven somewhere where all these gods are sitting around, they're still tang- saying to Jesus, "I can't believe it. You had all <laughs> you had all of us to mentor a really good." Story you screwed and it up. You, yeah, and you screwed it up. You think they're all sitting around a table playing poker? There was a, there was, there was a, a couple of years ago, there was an Australian commercial that was exactly that. They had this like banquet table and all these, these gods are <laughs> around it and yeah. they're eating stuff and they're kind of poking jabbing at, at each other. It's funny as hell. I can't remember what the, the, the commercial was about, though. Yeah, but it is, you know, they're, if they're sitting sitting around talking play poker, it's that they're saying to Jesus, you sure gave resurrection a bad name. Yeah, I was like, Jesus, come on, man. It's just horrible. <laughs> Could you do something a bit better, you know? Claw, claw yourself out of the, the rock and just push it aside with your hulking muscles or something like that? No, no, no. You just had to... <sighs> Christianize it. <laughs> oh well, better luck. Better luck next time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my dear. All right. Okay. Let's see. Kirsten, you have another brilliant moment for us. I do. Brought to you by religion. Okay. So, you remember when I was talking about those Nikes? Yes. Well, this this is right up that alley. Okay. So, the Vatican just launched what can only be described as a Fitbit for prayer. <laughs> what? Hold on. What? A Fitbit for prayer? So, oh, okay, okay, hold on. <laughs> Officially, it's the Click to Pray e-rosary, <laughs> which you wear on your wrist so you can keep track of your prayers. It turns on when you make the sign of the cross. You know, I really hated when I lose track of my prayers. <laughs> When you realize, geez, did I actually pray for Bob today? I can't remember. <laughs> Maybe I should pray again. Uh, but did, did, do I pray twice for Bob? I have to pray twice for Mary now. And <laughs> how much for this gift that virtually no young person would ever want? Just $110. Oh, yes. 
for something that even Catholics would tell you is free. <laughs> Considered a modern indulgence. If you're a tech-savvy young person who still takes Catholic dogma seriously, this is the present for you. Well, how many people are that? It's like three so people how, on the how planet? how does it work? You say the rosary and, and, it, and it dings or you... It, you make the sign of the cross. Okay. Oh, you make and it activates. <laughs> so, if you have your Fitbit on your wrist, this is basically it. It reads your 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 pulse and all that. So, if you feel guilt, it starts to read your guilt, and then that's what you, you can say. Okay, you had a prayer there. Obviously, you felt so, guilty. <laughs> so, aimed at the peripheral frontiers of the digital world, where the young people dwell. The Click to Pray e-rosary serves as a technology-based pedagogy to teach the young how to pray the rosary, how to pray it for peace, how to contemplate the gospel. Therefore, this project brings together the best of the church's spiritual tradition and the latest advances of the technological world. Well, you should go into sales. I am totally sold by that. Can you imagine a a nine-year-old who has this Christmas present in front of him and he's expecting what like an Xbox like something and he opens it up and it's an e- or like yeah even an actual Fitbit would be better Fit, yeah like but okay as funny as it is you gotta give him props they're trying they're trying they real hard to, to okay, mix okay. something from ancient, ancient, horrible, backwards time with technology. They're trying. So physically, the device consists of 10 consecutive black agate and hematite rosary beads and of a smart cross, which stores all the technological data a connected to the app. <laughs> when activated, the user has the possibility to choose either oh, to no. pray the standard rosary a contemplative rosary and different kinds of thematic rosaries that will be updated every year. Once the prayer begins, the smart rosary shows the user's progression throughout the different mysteries and keeps track of each rosary completed. Perhaps it's just useful for those elderly believers who have genuine difficulties keeping track with analog rosaries. <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> I mean, what's na- a smart the, Star of David, the rosary, which is harder to do than a smart cross. The, the rosary itself, the the old-fashioned rosary, is kind of designed in a way that you can't forget. Because you're supposed, if I, if I remember correctly, and this is far back, uh, if a listener wants to correct me on this, by all means do. When, when you're holding the rosary, you're holding one bead at a time, and you're moving up the chain. And every bead, you do your prayer. So uh, when you get to the end of the chain, you've done all you've your beads. Done so that's that's how that's why the rosary's in that shape. And isn't there something about the rosary that's supposed to you know it's the physical handling of it that's supposed to you that's know a good question be, I don't know. You know supposed to put you in a more meditative mood and maybe maybe I mean look I, at the I, number of different religions that use some kind of prayer beads yeah. of some kind you know. I, I was told as a, as a child and this is like way back. Uh, when we were introduced to the, the rosary, every it, it was like in, in rows of, I think there was like five beads and then one separate and then another five. There was like a five and one count, something like mm-hmm. that. And I think you were the fives you were supposed to do like five Hail Marys and then a, a one uh, Our Father and then another five Hail Marys. So you're basically just repeating the same freaking prayer over and over mm-hmm. again until you kind of go into some kind of trance, I guess, some kind of hypnotic trance. So, uh Yeah. I yeah, kudos to the church for actually trying to do something like that. Well, see, yeah. see if you can keep track of how well they sell this year. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's cheaper than the Nikes. Like, geez. 110 bucks that's, that's not that bad yeah well at least the Nikes you can like, take the cross away and be a bit more fashionable 
Like that's yeah, not thousands of dollars. That's actually a reasonable price for something like this. I want to do a prank. Well, we want to use that smart cross and put a, a very small speaker with it, and then, oh, and then no, this is God. <laughs> you forgot prayer number two. Go back. Your that soul would, depends on it. That would be boy. Priceless. We could have made we could have made a better rosary, and we're not even Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Pretty soon I'm going to have the whole damn outfit here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. It's, 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 it's amazing how desperate they are in a way. As, of course, tech, science and technology moves forward. And it, it leaves uh, ancient tradition of, pay, of, of worship in the dust, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they're still trying so hard to bring them together. I mean, I stumbled the other day uh, on a, um, a small kind of like radio type device, and it's basically a, rec- uh, a little recorder. And when you press on it, it gives you like it reads the Bible, and it's like a speaker, and it, oh my it, God. it reads up. And it's like, God damn it, man! It's, it's, it's just amazing. You know, you, you gotta like I said, you gotta give them props. They're trying. They're trying real hard, but it's doomed to fail. It's doomed to fail. Not uh-huh. because the technology cannot adopt. The, the 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 prayers and all that that, that that that's fine but because the story itself is so ridiculous yes this is the reason why every christian movie fails right now it's not because you know it's it's not because of the necessarily of the film direction or the artistry of the movie itself it's because the the material itself is stupid you know outside of cecil b demille's old movies remember those old movies the okay. ten commandments and all, even when you look at them today they're, they're ridiculous movies they're just ridiculous ridiculous uh-huh. movies they're not believable the whole story is not believable anyway we could go on this forever <laughs> so that's a fun one that really that, that thanks Chris. i thought so yeah. i would have i would have had more but then my laptop decided it needed to do an update so no, that's because he doesn't have a smart cross on it. Damn technology. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can sympathize. My, I have to go from Windows 7 to Windows 10. Oh, boy. Oh. About, so, All right. Uh, talk about technology. Well, thank you so maybe much. I'll need the, maybe I'll need the e-rosary just to bring myself back to sanity. <laughs> Cast the demons out of your laptop. <laughs> yeah. The power of Christ commands you. Thank you so much, ladies. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be with Dan Ellis of Godless Revolution. So stay with us. What's up, heathens? I'm the Godless Engineer, and it would be great if you could join me on my YouTube channel. Over there, we post videos every day. On Mondays, we normally post a response video of some kind. Tuesdays, we post our daily Bible podcasts that I record with KC. Wednesdays, we read comments. Thursdays and Fridays is conspiracy theory and flat earth stuff. And we have a new segment that runs Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays that is Today I Learned from KC. Hi, y'all. So please join us over on the YouTube channel, Godless Engineer, where we always stand up and use our voice. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. 
You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatcher such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. somebody seriously represents his belief that Elvis is still alive in a conversation in, in, on a first date, at a lecture, at a job interview, mm -hmm. uh, he immediately pays a price. Yeah. Yeah. He, he pays a price in ill-concealed laughter. Right. Now, surely you can agree with that. That, that, that is a good thing. Now, he can, now, then he could rattle on about, this is not a scientific claim. Uh, this is a matter of faith. You know, when I look at you, I, I see you might be Elvis. I mean, he, he, could, he could do this. Mr. Dan Ellis, an ex-Mormon and host of the Godless Revolution, he's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Mr. Ellis, thank you so much for joining us on Left of the Valley. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, you say that now. <laughs> <laughs> like many of our guests after that, they return never. No. Uh, Dan, uh, you're hosting a show called uh, Godless Revolution, which I just love the title, by the way. Uh, uh -huh. But before before we go into all that and uh, the genesis of your show, maybe for our audience that don't know you or don't know the show, maybe you'd be so kind to give us a, a good bio as who Dan Ellis is. Oh, God. Uh, well, after after serving in Vietnam... <laughs> I, no, I, <laughs> no I, I have been born and raised here in Utah, great LDS state that it is. Uh, most of my family is very LDS. Well, when they're not, you know, half of my family is either in jail or goes to church on Sunday when they're not in Wendover gambling or anything like that. You're kind of gone uh, to extremes there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fun dichotomy in my family. It's a fun mix of people when we all get together for things. <laughs> and everybody pretends to be very devout, devout Mormons. Uh, no, I grew up here, have lived here most of my life. I uh, lived in Wyoming for a brief stint when I was very young. But the only thing I remember about that is that it was really cold, really windy, and some kid stole my football. <laughs> <laughs> Good reason to leave. Yeah, yeah, good reason. <laughs> Go back to Utah. It's safer. <laughs> they don't uh, yeah, I was, I was baptized into the LDS faith when I was eight, uh, though I never really had what I would call a testimony of the church. I never believed it was true. I just uh, kind of went along with what everybody else was saying and doing. I was the kid in Sunday school who always asked the really uncomfortable questions like, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're sitting down on the floor using our chairs as desks, our chair seats, mm -hmm. and coloring like you know, depictions of the animals entering Noah's Ark and stuff. And I was the kid who it occurred to to say, well, wait a minute, God killed everything? Like, all of the other babies? Like, if if we were there, then all of us would be dead because mm -hmm. God didn't like how other people were acting? And I was the kid who was always told that I needed to pray about it or to go and talk to the bishop or to talk to my parents, but that I should just hold my questions until later. Much later. <laughs> yeah, it's much, good much training later. for an atheist. Yes, yes, right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I never, never had a testimony of the church, never believed it was true. And then when my parents divorced when I was younger, they both stopped going to church. And they really only went to church kind of willy-nilly here and there. 
Uh, my dad quit smoking just long enough to be able to baptize me himself. So if that gives you any indication of, of the strength of their faith at the time. Um, yeah, I left the church when I was very young. Uh, didn't go back to church uh, unless it was because there was a young woman that I was interested in and she wanted me to go with her or for weddings or funerals or other family gatherings. But haven't been to the LDS church as a as a even quasi-believer since I was eight years old or maybe just a little bit older than that. Excellent, excellent. Uh, the, the, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm stumbling upon his father's quitting smoking long enough to baptize him because it almost reminds me of my dad <laughs> because I remember my dad, you know, we decided to go to church one point and I said, you know, and I'm a kid, I said, why are we going to church? I said, well, we had bad luck lately, so if we go to church, maybe we'll get better luck. <laughs> <laughs> you realize much later, you know, that's the extent of your faith, you know, you're just hoping it's going to make you lucky, you know. So, so here's, here's an interesting question. There you were at eight years old, and you're the, you're the troublemaker, you're the one that questioned, that never believed. What kept you going? Where did you go for any support for, for your non-belief? Where did you get the, um, the courage, you know, to say, I'm, this is the way I believe and I'm just going to stick with it? Yeah, because they say it's particularly tough to get out of the faith, especially when you're Mormon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you're Mormon, you're surrounded by Mormons. Most of your family is Mormon. Uh, I didn't really have any support when I was younger as far as my religious beliefs went. Uh, like I say, a lot of my family are quasi-religious. Here in Utah, they call them Jack Mormons, where you kind of identify with the faith culturally, and you may even go every now and then. But, mm. you know, you don't live according to LDS stricture and, and gospel and doctrine and all all the stuff like that. You know, you, you may have a cup of coffee every now and then if you're really, really a bad person. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know. A lot of my family are very devout. A lot of them are quasi, and a few of them are the black sheep of the family. I'm I'm one of the gray sheep. Like everybody thinks I'm okay, but there's that whole not believing in God thing that is a big problem for them. Uh huh. Yeah, you're a good person, but they can't they can't make the fact that he, he's a good person, but he doesn't believe in God. There's something something wrong here. Cognitive dissonance somewhere. <laughs> yeah, these things just don't quite square. He's a decent guy, but he doesn't believe in God. So I need to you know watch him carefully and keep a good distance. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they thought of you as some kind of seducer as well. He seduces you to the dark side. So did, did, did you <laughs> He'll get... be leading us astray if we listen to anything he says. Yeah, yeah that's right. So did you did you read anything that reinforced your non-belief, or did you just keep saying, even though no, even though I'm the only one, I, I still think I'm I'm I've got the truth. I uh, I don't even think that I thought about it a whole lot. Oh, okay. It was just one of those things that I had to deal with when I was younger. You know, like ah. Uh, God, you know, one of my friends is having a birthday party and I've got to go over there and have milk and cookies or, uh, you know, I I don't really have any support for me not being religious. So I'll just kind of go along to get along, uh, not really speak out against the church or say that it was wrong or bad. I just kind of let it do its thing and me do my thing. And it wasn't until I I started being a little more vocal about not believing in a God. I didn't even necessarily identify myself as an atheist until I was in my mid-twenties. And it was uh, actually thanks to a friend who I was working with at the time uh, who uh, said that he was an atheist. And I wasn't even really sure what that was and listening to him have conversations with other people at work. And then he suggested that I read Carl Sagan's Demon Haunted World. Oh, that'll Candle in the Dark. Yeah, that'll and, do it. 
yeah, that like opened my eyes up to, oh, that's what an atheist is and that's what I am. And so then I started identifying openly as an atheist um, to select people within my family and, and close friends. And then when I finally came out on Facebook, it was really strange to see how many of my friends abandoned me because of that one little difference. You know, people that I'd known for decades who I'm still the same person I always was. I'm just being a little more open and honest with them about what I believe or don't. And to see how many of those friends left or abandoned me. And that was just really strange to me because most of those people who did leave or, or abandon me, you know, prior to me coming out as an atheist, I wouldn't have guessed that they had a religious bone in their body. Mm. They certainly weren't living life as any kind of person who would, you know, describe themselves as a Christian or, or being religious at all. Yeah. It smacks over hypocrisy, doesn't it? It really does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the hypocrisy of religion is one of the things that really bothers me most, where they think yes. they're so much better than other people. Yes. And they're so much holier than thou, but they do the same shit that everybody else does. Exactly. They just don't admit it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I was, I, I gotta go back on that uh, comment you made about uh, those, uh, those Jack Mormons. Um, do you feel I, I seem to feel like you know I, I came out of Catholicism myself uh, and I, I, we call them cafeteria Catholics you know oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the guy who goes to church maybe at Christmas or maybe at Easter or something like that and mm -hmm. that's about it or for a, a wedding or baptism or something like that and you, you call them Jack Mormons but for me I, it seems it's just my 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 observations only worth that much uh, it seems to me that that's a vast majority of Catholics do you think the Jack Mormon is a vast majority of Mormons too Oh, yeah, absolutely. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there are a ton, a ton of Mormons who are very, very devout and very spiritual, and they have a testimony that they believe the church is true. But a lot of that is just strict, strict indoctrination from the time they're just tiny little kids. You know, you've got kids, even before the time that they're able to be baptized, who during fast and testimony uh, Sundays at church, the parents would you know, lead them up to the podium and have their tiny little child, quote unquote, bear their own testimony. But the whole time it's the parent whispering to the kid what they want the kid to say. And usually it was, I, I know the church is true and that and I know that Joseph Smith is a prophet and I love my mom and dad and my brothers and sisters. And thank you very much. <laughs> and then they're just indoctrinated that way and they repeat it, you know, once a month from the time they're four, five, three, however old they are able to speak and get up to the podium and, and have the courage to speak in front of a crowd up until they send them out into the mission field. And most of them just live this, you know, tiny little cloistered life in a bubble of Mormondom, and it's not until they get out on their mission that they see, oh, God, the world is a whole lot fucking different than the church has told me my entire life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so then you went out and eventually down the road to decide to start your show called Godless Revolution. So what was the genesis of that? Uh, just kind of a happy coincidence between myself and the other co-hosts. Uh, it was we actually decided to start the show just after the American Atheists convention that was held here in Salt Lake City in 2014. Ah, um, there was. You know, I hadn't actually even met either of the of the co-hosts before then. And before we recorded our first episode, I had only met one of the co-hosts. And I wasn't even supposed to be a regular part of the show. Uh, it wasn't until... So they... Let me back up a little bit. 
uh, it was during the convention that I was approached by one of the co-hosts of the show uh, saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking of doing a podcast, uh, trying to get it started. Do you know of anybody else who may be interested? And then I said, you know, I'm not sure uh, you should go and talk to Sarah, who was the president of Atheists of Utah here at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she may have a better idea of somebody that may know. So that that president of Atheists of Utah um, Sarah talked to somebody else who did want to start a podcast. She hooked the other two co-hosts of The Godless Revolution up together. They had never even met each other before they sat down to record the episode. They had just been texting back and forth. Mm. And they showed up to my house to interview me because I was the... Well, so at the time, Sarah was the vice president. I was the president of Atheists of Utah and you know, spoke briefly during the convention here and helped with... Uh, mass resignation just before the the convention where we had a bunch of Mormons or ex-Mormons or disaffected Mormons come and join us at a rally in a, at a nearby park and then they all uh, sent in letters of resignation after we walked around Temple Square and through their little corridor of love that they had set up. Apparently they knew that we were organizing a mass resignation mm-hmm. and so they organized on either side of this wide sidewalk groups of Mormons who were just singing hymns that we would have to walk in between them on, you know, they're on either side of the sidewalk and we had to walk in between them as we're going around Temple Square. And I don't know, it was, it was both funny and tragic and sad uh, because you had all of these very, very devout LDS people out there reading from their hymnals and singing. And some of them were just bawling that, you know, all of these people are leaving our great and wonderful church that is so true. And we're so distraught over this whole thing. Like you just have the image. And of course, people, most people don't sing very well. They can't carry a tunes. It must be almost torture for you guys. Just walking through. Uh, oh, please shut up. Okay. I'll, I'll sign. I'll sign. Just shut them up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Matt and Ryan showed up at my house to record the first episode uh, and interview me as the president of Atheists of Utah at the time and talk about the convention and everything. And we just had a great time sitting down and talking with each other and a good rapport. And they asked me if I'd join, if I'd join the show uh, regularly as a co-host, and that's been the history until this point, almost nice. six years now. When you're president of the uh, Atheist of Utah, do people like throw Bibles and holy water at you in your general direction on a daily basis? <laughs> <laughs> no, Mormons are super passive aggressive. They're you know <laughs> unlike the the Bible Belt where people are aggressive aggressive, Mormons here are very passive aggressive, and I think that stems from their history of being you know run out of every town that they ever tried to set up a church in and steadily progressed across the United States headed west and then further south into Mexico uh, that they have this persecution complex they're they're very nice in a shitty kind of way where people in the Bible belt are aggressive aggressive and they will tell you you're going to burn in hell and you need to repent and all of that kind of stuff. Mormons are just like I'm so sad that you're leaving the church and Heavenly Father would be so disappointed in you. Best of luck though. <laughs> you want a muffin? <laughs> I, I wish our friend Tammy was here but she's she's one of our uh, one of my neighbors and she's Mormon. She's been on the show a few times but she's very shy. It's, it'd, be, it'd be nice to have her here right now. Well, and Mormons who live outside of the Utah bubble of Mormondom are much, much different than the Mormons who live here. You know, but I talk to people who live out of state and are Mormon, and then they come here and they're like, I decided to leave the church after moving to Utah because the Mormons here are so fucking weird and they're just such giant assholes about everything. 
That's oh, actually man. really funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so now you're doing the show Godless Revolution, and about after five years of doing the show, you finally hit the bottom of the barrel, being on left of the valley. How do you feel about that? It's amazing. I've I've waited for this day for so long, and I'm so happy to finally be here, you guys. Thank you so much. Rock bottom, my friend. Rock bottom. All that hard work. <laughs> he's, he's happy because there's nowhere to go but up. That's From right. That's right. <laughs> the future just became so much brighter for you. <laughs> I can do nothing else wrong ever again, really. I mean, anything <laughs> that I do from now on is going to be better. <laughs> so now that you hit rock bottom with us, uh, if, if I was to ask you in, in the past five years, uh, what, 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 what's your favorite moment you had on your show? Oh, God, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think. I mean, aside this moment right now, of course, with us. You know, <laughs> finally realizing. Well, we some... Yeah, I mean, we've had some amazing guests in the past. Um, and, of course, the ones that stick with you are the most recent guests. Uh, one of our most recent shows uh, featured Christine Stenquist. She is a marijuana or cannabis advocate, advocacy mm-hmm. person working with a local group here to try to pass uh, medical cannabis here in the state of Utah. So it's not, it's and, not, it's not legal in Utah yet, right? Uh, not, well, that's kind of up for debate. <laughs> it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. We had a we passed a proposition here to get it passed, and and that won the vote. But then when the legislature started mucking with that proposition after the voters said this is what we want, and it wasn't just you know should we legalize cannabis in the state of Utah with no plans of how to do it or or you know what would be considered legal versus illegal use and growing and all of that kind of stuff. I mean it was a long bit of legislation, and then once that passed. The the local legislators here, who I believe our legislature here in the state of Utah is over eighty percent LDS. Mm-hmm. They're they're much less than that in the general population, but in our legislature, it's more than eighty percent of our legislators are all LDS. No surprise. And, yeah, big surprise. And so they, you know, once the proposition passed, then they have the opportunity to go through and you know clarify some points of it and make minor changes here and there but they completely gutted it basically and so now there's this there's been this back and forth and push and pull to try to make it actually work for everybody but i mean some of the some of the shitty things they did after it was passed the changes that they made basically made it so that yeah we're going to say that it's legal but we're setting up these roadblocks to where it will never you know people won't actually be able to do it they wanted things like you had to have uh, doctor's prescription for it. Mm. Well, it's it's a federally controlled substance, and so doctors can't write prescriptions for that for fear of losing their medical license. So yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not a thing that can really happen. Could you override it if you were to declare yourself a Rastafarian? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not here in Utah. They they don't uh, really go for that a lot here. No. <laughs> not white enough, I guess. <laughs> it's all freedom of religion as long as it's the right religion. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> so yeah, so the so the cannabis thing was one of your favorite guests. Isn't that yeah, she was Christina's just really, really awesome. She's very warm and genuine and you know, she has a medical history that is what drove her to become an advocate for legalized cannabis. Cool. And we kind of run in a lot of the same circles and knew, you know, have a lot of mutual friends in common and a few of them who uh, had cancer and were advocates for legalizing cannabis here and have since, you know, died. And so in just 
interviewing her and talking to her here in the studio, I think she ended up crying three or four different times oh, wow. <laughs> just throughout the interview because it is such an emotional issue. And the legislators and church here tried to deny and squash all of that and just say, well, God says it's bad, so it's bad, and God, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't recall God saying anything about marijuana, but <laughs> maybe oh, I've but read, is, you know, It's the against book. the word of wisdom that you shouldn't be using any kind of intoxicants. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, it's, <laughs> it's interesting because right here in Canada, actually, it's uh, we're celebrating our first year now. It's one year since they've actually legalized oh, really? marijuana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We wow. Did, we did we did last October when they legalized yeah. marijuana, we actually did a show where I we actually smoked a joint on the show. So yeah. So now they actually legalize uh, edibles. So now edibles are legal too. So you have legalized cannabis there. What is it like living in a in a barren hellscape wasteland? Well, well I was about to ask that about <laughs> well, Trump and Stan. We have free health care, so it's great. <laughs> <laughs> We had to legalize cannabis as soon as Donald Trump was elected. That's the whole reason we did it, really. The only way we can cope, really. No, yeah, exactly. Well, they're still in, in the province. They're, st- I mean, especially here, they're still trying to work things out in terms of uh, growing and um, who who can distribute. Yeah, because, yeah. The capital side. Of because there, you know, there's the two classes. There's medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. It's the mec- recreational that became legal because we've had medical. Um, marijuana you know for yeah. for a while and so it's who you know how to how to license the various stores so that they're in compliance but no one quite knows what is compliance yet so on the business model end of it it's taken a while yeah. but in terms of the acceptance life goes on exactly the way it was before there's essentially no difference no 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 difference there there is not really that much of an uptick in people who um people are, before are driving while high yeah. or, yeah. you know, in public while high or, you know, children having access to their parents' marijuana. It's just, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was a lot of conversation and then, okay, life goes on. I feel like the biggest change was I might smell it a little bit more if I'm out and about in town. That's yeah. about it. It kind of reminds yeah. me of the whole Y2K thing. Everybody was panicking about Y2K, and when it happens, like, yeah, okay. Let's keep going, and it's right? exactly the same thing. Although, uh, have you guys stepped into a government store for marijuana here? No. I, uh, my, my my girlfriend happens to be a, a smoker, and she, she partakes in the herb on a regular basis. And uh, the stores are really, really professional. I mean, really yeah. well run. And they got these samples and these, these magnifying glasses and everything. Nice. Yeah. And the packaging, it's all rolled, and it's really <laughs> did, there's a lot of packaging. Let's You're going to do way. it and do it right. Well, exactly. It's actually uh, maybe a bit overkill, I would even think. But there's like tons of boards of information about the brand and where it's from and uh, the THC content and the CDC content and all that stuff. So it's actually really, really informative. Yeah, the interesting thing, Dan, is that we're legal in Canada. We're we're legal in Canada and then Washington State, which is just immediately to our south, um, is also legalized. You can't bring it back and forth over the border. No, you can't cross the border because it's federal. Yeah, Yeah. it's interesting that... we're, we're just adjacent. You know, the two two areas are... So, Dan, you're uh, just going to have yeah. to move up here, man. That's right. <laughs> man, if if Trump is reelected, I may consider doing that. <laughs> just, remember, line. just remember we have stronger beer and hockey's better than baseball, and you'll be fine. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> leave, leave your gun in Utah. You won't need it up here. 
As long as I can still import some good Kentucky bourbon, that would be fine. There you oh, go. yes. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair. So how has how has your broadcast changed over the years? How has it evolved, mm-hmm. you know, in, in ways that you like and ways that you're still working on? I think the biggest thing is that we, you know, when we first started out, it was just us ranting about how stupid and ridiculous religion is. You know, we'd offer some philosophy to back up why we believed what we do or why we, you know, reject claims of a lot of the religions that we see around, well, all of the religions that we see around. Um, And we focused on, you know, being angry and upset with religion, and we still are for sure, but I think as we've grown and progressed, we've moved uh, more toward, we still talk about how religion is a pernicious influence in society and that it should go away, and we highlight stories of religious fuckery all over the place. Uh, But we've also gotten more into deeper philosophical arguments and uh, more more toward politics also. But we always try to spin it, not even spin it, but try to highlight that a lot of even the political problems that we're having here have uh, a grounding, at least, in mm-hmm. bullshit religious beliefs. Dan, I just love you, man. I just love how you used the word pernicious and fuckery in the same sentence. <laughs> that was beautiful, sir. That was absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you very fucking much, man. <laughs> I always hear from people like, oh, your, your show, you guys just use such coarse language all the time. And it's like, well, we have big vocabularies, but there are certain words that we just fucking love. And you need to get the fuck over it, man. <laughs> exactly. So about, it's about, about attaining a balance. So, so, yeah. so Dan, if you have a magic wand moment right here, I pulled out my magic wand. And uh, if, you, if you could bring a guest on your show, anybody you'd like, who would you bring? Sagan, for sure. Oh, yes. Good choice. Good choice. I mean, he, he was brilliant. His I think his political philosophy, religious philosophy, life philosophy in general aligns very much with not just mine, but my other co-hosts as well. And then just that he was such a brilliant scientist and so involved in our exploration of space and trying to figure out the world around us was an inspiration for everybody. It would be awesome to be to be able to have a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And if you were to grab somebody that's still alive now, who would that be? Ooh, still alive. Somebody that I've not interviewed yet at the top of the list. I don't even want to say who's at the top of the list because then I'm going to piss off people. Well, it doesn't have that. to be the top of the list. <laughs> well, give, give us your top five. Top five that I have not had on the show yet. Um... And then we'll steal them because we don't like Because <laughs> it's, it's too much damn work to try to figure out you know, who to call, who not to call. So, But that's okay. I like the way you think, Nancy. Yeah. Well, let's see. If, if it was the top five, it would be the Pope, oh, um, Pope Elizabeth Pope. Warren, Bernie Sanders. Uh, who else? i got to name two more. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to leave it with the top three. Okay. Okay, well, Kevin will, come, Kevin will come and be part of that group. So that's that's four. And he can't go without us. So there's, we're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to he's, keep Kevin in line. Trying, he's trying to claw his way out of rock bottom, guys. Don't, don't have us on his shows. <laughs> well, I can only go up from here, man. There's no mistakes I can make from this yes, point. you got it. You got it. Dan, do you feel do you feel that you've you've been an atheist for quite a while there? Do you feel there's been a lot of changes, uh, not necessarily in your show, but in the movement itself? Do you feel that we're heading into brighter days, or are you less optimistic about where the future of atheism lies within the states, of course? Yeah, I think it's in a 
bit of a tumult right now. Uh, we have people who, for one reason or another, think that, you know, if you're an atheist, then that's all you should talk about when you're at an atheist conference. You know, if, if you're going to an atheist convention or conference, all you should be able to talk about is atheism and maybe how that relates to the, to the wor wider world or broader world, world at large. All three of those are the same fucking thing. Sorry, I'm stalling for time here. <laughs> but, you know, that's all you should be able to talk about. And you shouldn't really discuss things like politics or social justice because those don't really relate to atheism. And what they fail to see is that they absolutely do mm -hmm. because a lot of the things that we see coming from the right are rooted in their ridiculous fucking religious beliefs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, you're right. You, you, can, you can almost not divorce the two you know to have a, a show strictly on atheism would be a show that would not last very long you have to get into the how it affects the world and politics and everything else and god knows yeah well and it's you know like i said religion has this pernicious influence on every aspect of our lives and some people just don't even realize that a lot of the things they think do and say are rooted in past religious beliefs that they no longer hold but they hold on to these beliefs because they don't see their connection to their prior religious selves mm -hmm. and so they you know like i say right now the movement's kind of in a tumult because we have people who want to carry on being sexist and misogynist and racist and xenophobic all of the bad traits that they learned through religious teaching they want to carry those on well you know those are still fine i don't believe in a god but i can still hold on to these other beliefs that don't really have a tie to God, but they do. A lot of those beliefs absolutely are tied to your prior religious belief. Oh, absolutely. Now, there's something very interesting about the the, the whole Mormon thing, I find, because uh, when we're going into politics here. The evangelical movement has, has embraced Donald Trump, but the Mormons have not really done that. The Mormons are kind of like holding their nose or voting for him. That's, that's the impression I get. Am I wrong on this? Yeah, it's kind of squishy. It's a mixed bag. There are there are a lot of Mormons who are super, super devoted and trusting and loving of Donald Trump that he's here to set things on the right track and he's a man of God somehow. But there are other Mormons who and, – and I think there's a kind of a separation between just your – run-of-the-mill people who identify as Mormon and, like, you know, like the cafeteria Catholics, they'll go to church every now and then, who can see that Donald Trump is just a fucking monster. And then you've got devout believers who, you know, from the pulpit are basically told that they need to vote straight ticket on the Republican side mm -hmm. because all of these other people are too worldly. They're influenced by the gay agenda. Uh, they want to, <laughs> they just want to have weed and anal sex all the time. And so in, within Mormondom, you have people who, you know, are, are faithful believers and they can see the things Donald Trump is doing and they don't like it. But their leaders are still saying, well, he's, you know, at least keeping the country on the right track and he's trying to do the good thing where a lot of the members themselves are like, really, though, is he? Because yeah, he's yeah. kind of a fucking moron who's leading us on the wrong path. So and what's funny, too, is that a lot of the. Religious leaders here don't even want to get into politics because they see that as a divisive as a divisive force within their congregations when people start arguing about that and then becoming disaffected with, OK, well, the church leaders are saying this, but I can see clear evidence to the contrary. Maybe all of the other things they're telling me are bullshit, too. I, I, I find myself in uh, sometimes wondering because uh, right here as a Canadian, we have a tendency to say that Americans are very uh, America-centric in their view. You know, the, the entire world revolves around just the United States and they have very little knowledge of what goes on outside the U.S. Uh, 
and especially when you're evangelical, but when you're a Mormon, it seems to me that they have a bit of more of an open mind, maybe because they do so many missions outside the U.S. Is, is that, am I wrong on this, or is that, what about you, what do you think, Nancy? Do you think that's something you've seen too, or? I think that could be part of it. Um, like I say, you know, a lot of, you know, I mentioned earlier that a lot of uh, young LDS people live in this Mormon bubble up until the time they're sent on a mission and they, mm. they can see that the world doesn't quite operate the way that they've been told all of their lives. And a lot of them leave immediately after getting home from their mo- mission or they return before, they're even, before their mission is even completed. And so I, I do see that sending people on missions outside of the particular religious bubble that they live in can have can be a good influence in opening up the eyes of the people who have been led astray their entire lives and have gone on this mission in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the guy I mentioned earlier who I was a friend with and turned me on to reading Carl Sagan's book, uh, he, he decided that the LDS church was false while he was on his mission mm-hmm. and came back and became an atheist because he learned, I mean, he could see through the bullshit. He had gone to uh, talk to somebody that they were working to convert and it just happened to be a black guy and they he said that they showed up at this black guy's house one day and they'd gone through several of the talks with him and they were you know progressing in their line of talks with him to get him baptized into the church and he said that they showed up at this guy's house and the guy was very you know seemed very anxious and upset and was just kind of pacing around the room and said to them you know what's crazy to me my mom told me that the LDS church didn't even allow black people to hold the priesthood until 1978. That's crazy, right? She's got to be wrong. I mean, I just, I can't believe she would even say something like that. Mm -hmm. And my buddy said, you know, he turned to his companion and they both exchanged a glance and had to admit, well, that's true. uh, Yeah, that's, that's the truth. Blacks couldn't hold the priesthood until 1978. He said, that guy started crying and left his own house, left them sitting there on the couch. He's like, that was when I figured it out. I'm done. (laughs) I'm out. I'm not going to do this anymore. Damn. That's a pretty strong story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also one of the reasons why I think a lot of Mormons are never actually really taught the yeah, history missions, of the church. Missions are a risk. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, yeah. so Dan, uh, for, regarding the future of the show of Godless Revolution, where would you guys like to take the show? What was your, op- your objective there? Oh, you know, right now it's just kind of a hobby. Um, we've, we've all been so busy with our regular lives. You know, I, my regular career has progressed. Uh, I'm no longer... Uh, serving on the board for Atheists of Utah, but I'm the state director here in Utah for American Atheists. Mm. So, you know, that keeps me busy. The show keeps me busy. Work has been really busy. So it's, I mean, of course, we love all of our listeners and we think it's great that people, you know, want to hear us talk about stuff and swear a lot. But I don't don't know that we have a, you know, we haven't set like a, a goal or we don't have a vision board for the show or anything. It's just something we like to do. We get, like to get together once a week and hash shit out and talk shit about religious mm. beliefs. So, um, as far as future direction of the show, I think it's just going to continue chugging along until we get too busy or decide we don't want to do it anymore. Well, hopefully that never happens. <laughs> well, thank you very much. So the show is Godless Revolution. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. But before I let you go, the mic is all yours, my friend. Be shameless. Go ahead. Plug yourself. Where can, the, where can people find you on your show? Uh, you can find the Godless Revolution on any of your podcatchers that you use. We're all over the internet. We're on uh, Facebook. Of course, we've got our own website. Uh, and you can also find footage of my first formal debate 
recently mm. online where I debated a couple Christian presuppositionalists, and that was not a great time. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a special skill to do something like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there I I think I did okay, but debating presuppositionalists is just it's it's an exercise in futility because they won't even acknowledge that you have any standing to say anything and because you even showing up just demonstrates that everybody believes in a god and we're just suppressing that knowledge in our unrighteousness. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Before I let you go, I gotta have you say, Hey, this is Dan Ellis of Godless Revolution and I took a left of the valley. Hey, this is Dan Ellis from the Godless Revolution podcast, and I took a left at the valley. Fantastic. And that was Dan Ellis of Godless Revolution. Oh, that was a good show. Great. Yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of great insight into uh, Mormonism and everything. That was great. Great yeah. guest. Yeah, he's he's funny, and uh, he's got, you know, really interesting background, smart as a whip. Great guest. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, we'll, we'll make sure to... To keep an eye on the show, and uh, we'll have him back again. I sure, I certainly hope so. You bet. Uh, I think I think he uh, he's going uh, he's doing great work here uh, with, with his show and, and his co-host, and uh, certainly one of those things you got to keep an eye on. Uh-huh. Okay, now time for a little rant. Oh god! Uh-oh. Impromptu though. I didn't write anything. I didn't prepare for this. <sighs> All right, this is uh, to our Canadian uh, listeners. This is the last weekend before you have to go vote. Okay, go out there and vote. Okay, let's let's let's. let's can we agree? We got to yes. go out there. And we go gotta, We got to go vote. Now I know a lot of people say it doesn't matter. That's bullshit. Uh, especially if you're a woman, you got to go vote. And the reason I I say that is because your grandmother, as you're listening to me, probably couldn't vote. Uh, the last province that uh, allowed voting for women was, to my great shame, the province of Quebec in the country, and that was 1948. So it's not that far ago. So you need to go vote. Uh, vote. Don't don't vote against people. Vote for something. And if you really don't like any of the leaders, go into the booth and just cross annul your vote. But do your civic duty. Do yourself a favor, and instill that into yourself, your friends, your kids. You know, it's a good habit to have. There are people all around the world right now that are dodging bullets and bombs, so they can go once and vote. They'll walk miles and miles into f- danger. And if you can't get the courage to get off the couch for 10 minutes every four years to vote, then you don't deserve to live in a country like this. It's that simple. Uh, anything else we should add to this? No, just vote. Yeah. I, I don't care where you vote. You, If you want to vote conservative, vote conservative. Although I frankly don't understand why you would do that. But that's fine. That's up to you. Uh, if you want to vote liberal, vote liberal. Vote NDP, vote green, vote something else. But just do your civic duty. Because that's exactly what makes a country like ours great. Is the fact that we have a say in what goes on. And just because the idea of, oh, I pay taxes. I, I You know, that's all I need to do. I have, I have a friend actually says that. He says, you know, you won't vote because you say, I pay taxes. I, I could choose not to vote. Yeah, you could choose not to vote. But you're really doing yourself and everybody else around you a disfavor by doing something like that. So go out there, vote, and uh, make this country great. And uh, hopefully by Monday we'll know that we're not a conservative country. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll have, a whole, we'll, we'll have a whole new government by the next time we talk. <laughs> Let's hope so. Halloween and a new government. Is there, is there something relevant there? Yeah, it's kind of scary. I don't know. It's kind of yeah. scary. <laughs> oh boy 
Oh, let's give a shout out beforehand to the two uh, American astronauts that were in space this week who happened to be two women. The first all-female flight into space. Exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't have time to to write the notes down, but yeah, I did see that article this morning. So uh, maybe we'll mention it again on the next show or the one after Halloween. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, ladies, for being with me today. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Dan Ellis for being our guest. You can follow us at leftatvalley.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LEDD Podcast. You can send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. Send you goodbye to Nancy on the third floor, but beware the incoming knife. Give us a five-star review wherever you find us. It helps us and helps others find the show. And if you want to become a patron, you go to Patreon slash LETV and you get much, much, much more behind the scenes and nothing edited, everything raw. You get to hear it as it happens instead of the uh, a bit more prepared show <laughs> that we give you guys. <laughs> All right, coming up, where's my schedule? Uh, let's see. Well, next week, of course, is our Halloween Ghost in the Valley special. Mm. We'll have stories from yours truly and everybody around. And we'll also have some stories from... We should have a story from Robert Stanley, Brent Lee of Unapologetics, and the amazing Seth Andrews. And whatever other ghosts want to turn up. Yes. Uh, in November, we'll be talking to... Where, where is he? Bill... B. Millsabob. He will be talking about... Horror houses. Thank you. <laughs> there not, we go. Not horror houses. Yeah. It only horror took houses, four which is a phenomenon in the states that's trying to come up here in Canada. We'll be talking to our friend David Fitzgerald ah. about his new book, and we'll be also be talking about something else. Uh, we'll also be talking to Jeff Cohen of Fair, which is about uh, unbiased reporting in the media, and we'll be talking to the brazen atheist, uh, which, uh, Aaron Lewis, who also used to be a stripper. So that's going to be interesting. So that's what I get planned for so far. I've got some other things coming down the pipe also with our old friend Daryl Ray. But we'll be discussing with that fairly soon around the pipe there around the corner. Okay, anything else any dad? No, happy fall and pumpkin pie. Yeah, happy yes. pumpkin pie, exactly. We'll see you next week for Halloween special. Spooky. Can't wait. <laughs> My favorite time of the year. Thank you so much. Until next time. Isn't real, but Jesus is or Zeus, Thor, or Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them. I think the reason is apparent. You do what you're told and believe in the God assigned by your parents. Which is the funniest thing because when my when my daughter was born, my ex wanted to baptize her just you know out of tradition. And I remember we're having this discussion with the priest, and he's going around the room and said, "Why do you want to baptize your child?" And everybody's going, "Well, you know, we really want her to be accepted in the faith of the Lord." Blah 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 blah. Then he comes to me and she gives me that death look. <laughs> don't you say? He says, "Why do you want your child baptized?" I don't really give a damn. I just don't want her to be picked on by the other kids at school. <laughs> That's probably the only truthful statement in the room. <laughs> she just jabbed me in the ribs with the elbow. Holy men of God, they get away scot free. And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush. Don't want to affect business. He loves money too much. We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them while they planning to molest them? We teaching them to respect them. Fuck that. The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic. I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained. Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let
let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful, that many atheists are told to be quiet, but you're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known, I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it, I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith, and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist, Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.